Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Roman Conciani. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my team member, Helen Freer, who has all the latest on the financial markets over the past hours, David Cole, our chief economist, who will talk us through the latest US labor market report and what that means for the Fed's monetary policy going forward. And finally, Richard Tang, our head of research in Hong Kong with a timely update on China, its economic policy and where to allocate money now in his view. So let's get started. I'll hand over to you, Helen, for the markets wrap. Please go ahead. Thank you, Roman. Good morning and good morning to everybody listening. In Europe yesterday, the major markets all closed in the green. The Eurostox 50 closed up 0.9%. But then in the US, equities first went up, but then paired gains in a reflection of the concerns around the outlook for economic growth as central banks are hiking interest rates to fight inflation. At the end of the day, the three major US markets were little changed. The Dow Jones finished up 0.1%, while the Nasdaq Composite and the S&P 500 both lost 0.1%. Within the S&P, seven of the 11 sectors posted a positive return over the day, and the biggest outperformers were the real estate, materials and energy sectors. Technology was the worst performing sector yesterday. So the rebound in global stocks seems to have paused, with investors putting a lot of emphasis, of course, on the inflation data coming out of the US tomorrow. This data will provide an insight into future action by the Fed and how aggressively they will need to raise rates and whether a move to then cut rates later next year is actually a possibility. So while equities struggled, treasuries gained, two-year US Treasury yields ended down two basis points at 3.21% and the 10-year yield fell seven basis points to 2.76%. Oil held its biggest gain in more than a week, holding above $90 a barrel, as investors are keeping an eye on the nuclear talks between the US and Iran and the outlook for demand for oil in an economic slowdown. In other news, Donald Trump's residence in Florida has been raided by federal investigators who are looking into whether or not he took classified documents from the White House when he left office. If Trump does decide to run for president again in 2024, the outcome of this investigation may hang over his campaign. In China, the top auditor has ordered a review of the $3 trillion trust industry. This was a surprise move by the National Audit Office. The companies are being asked to report on their risky loans to developers and if they have plans to dispose of them. And Hong Kong has reduced its mandatory hotel quarantine rule for international travellers as it seeks to return to its position as a financial hub and boost its economy. In earnings news, NVIDIA, the chipmaker, reported disappointing numbers yesterday. The company warned its second quarter revenue would fall by 19% from the previous quarter, reflecting weakness in its gaming business as well as demand for PCs. The company's shares dropped 6.3% yesterday. And this morning, Munich Re has reported a slump in profits as the firm's investment portfolio took a hit of almost $1 billion. Other companies reporting today include Continental and Dufresne. And economic data out today includes trade balance figures for Denmark and Portugal. Stocks in Asia are mixed so far today. When I looked a few minutes ago, the Nikkei was down by nearly 0.9%. 
And the Hang Seng and the CSI 300 were broadly flat, but just slightly in the red. With stocks struggling to make any headway in Asia, looking at futures this morning, European futures were in the red a few moments ago, but US futures were up. And that's all for me today. I wish you all a great day and I hand back to you, Roman. Thank you very much, Helen. Next, over to you, David. You have made up your mind on the Fed's options after the strong labor market report, which was published on Friday. So what are your takeaways and what are your expectations going forward? Uh, good morning. So indeed, uh, the labor market report uh, from Friday, uh, was about July, it was actually good news. So um, it shows that the labor market in the U.S. is uh, it's still very robust, uh, despite all this talk about recession. The U.S. economy added uh, 528,000 jobs. That's nearly double what consensus expected. And it's not only the headline number, which had been impressively good, it's like the unemployment rate went further down to 3.5%, uh, really a historical low. In, and the, at the same time, also, that jobs had been added in a number of sectors. So it was quite broad-based. And also these sectors, uh, which had been under special attention, like construction, because of the interest rate sensitivity of the sector, um, but also consumer-related sectors, manufacturing-related sectors, uh, which had been also under under review and uh, had been hit actually by by talks from the from companies uh, that they don't want to hire that much anymore as in the past they were quite strong so actually quite a good uh, labor market report um, now it has been taken by financial markets rather on the negative side because uh, when the economy is still powering ahead uh, when we have this high inflation in the US, then of course a strong labor market contributes or might contribute to even further uh, inflationary uh, threats uh, going forward, and particularly uh, when we look at the wage side of the, of the labor market report. Here we still have the situation that demand for labor is actually quite strong. Uh, supply is not catching up. That means that the uh, participation rate uh, still is low. Uh, post-pandemic, and that means uh, still a very tight labor market. It has peaked in terms of tightness, so this is uh, definitely good news. And going forward, that's our first indications that might also ease uh, the pressure on the inflation side coming from here, but not as much as uh, everybody hoped and probably not as much as the Fed is hoping uh, to really uh, slow its pace of monetary uh, tightening. And as a result, expectations that the Fed will do it again uh, in, in the September meeting, do it again, a 75 basis point rate hike, which is unusual bolt uh, for, for the US Fed. Uh, they have done it already in two meetings. These speculations have shot up uh, and uh, are now really the majority in the money market rate or implied by the money market rates. Uh, we think this is uh, probably a bit uh, fast in terms of reaction to that. Uh, we still think going into September, <clears throat> we have uh, one month to go, uh, another labor market to go, and we think that what the Fed has done already in terms of uh, monetary tightening, this 225 basis points we have seen since March, they are just starting uh, to affect and rather slow the real economy. They have already affected the financial markets uh, very instantaneous, very, very fast. Yeah, but they will start only to affect the economy with a time lag. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, we th still think that there is uh, room, that there is the room that the Fed will slow its pace of monetary tightening. We're still opting for a 50 basis point rate hike, so slower pace uh, after this front-loading tightening of the Fed, and then slowing it even further, simply because uh, we have a number of headwinds uh, which will slow uh, the demand side of the economy and which will finally then also slow 
the inflation pressure in the economy. Uh, that said, I mean, we're watching the data, and that's probably also what the Fed is doing. They are much more flexible in their framework to react to incoming data. And of course, the first next, the next important data point is the CPI numbers uh, tomorrow out in the, in the U.S. Uh, let's see if uh, the hopes there, if the uh, expectations that the headline CPI at least uh, slows down here uh, significantly due to energy prices, which has calmed down a bit in, in July. Um, so that would be definitely uh, one, another important indicator, one other important data point uh, to signal uh, that the Fed has done most of the monetary policy normalization, this front-loaded policy normalization, a very bold move in the past, and that it can move to a slower step. Still, uh, hiking rates, still tightening monetary policy going forward, but not as aggressively as they have done so in the past. Back to you, Roman. Thank you very much, David. Now over to you, Richard. You have the latest on China, where the equity market rally, which started in late May, has faded somewhat in July. So what are your thoughts going forward? Yes, absolutely, Roman. Uh, indeed, a few weeks ago, when we spoke to our audience here, that uh, we've seen signs of policy effort uh, waning, or at least not as strong as the one we saw in April and May, that would put China back to the fan, flat trading range. And recently, uh, we've seen more of those evidence that um, the policy effort seems to be uh, stepping down a little bit. Uh, in particular, we've seen that the liquidity injection through the open market operations has reduced uh, marginally. Uh, and more importantly, in the most recent Polybro meeting, uh, there have been some disappointments to the market in which the new policy tools that market was expecting were not mentioned. Uh, and also the so-called real estate fund, widely reported by Bloomberg or Financial Times, um, that was meant to be sort of um, helping the mortgage boycott problem was also not brought up in the meeting. Uh, and that saw uh, in contrast to market expectation. So we think um, going forward in the next few weeks, the macro combination in China is going to be a much weaker one in which um, China continues to see weak growth, uh, but underwhelming policy easing from the policymakers. And we think that basically reinforces the fan flat trading range uh, in China. We recommend our investors and clients to focus more on the alpha opportunities rather than the beta opportunities, i.e. Uh, to focus much more on individual sector and stock-specific opportunities rather than overall market direction. Uh, we also favor uh, growth stocks uh, uh, compared to value stocks uh, in an environment where the economic growth is likely to be sluggish. Um, do uh, be aware that the internet sector is not growth stocks anymore. Um, we don't think um, they continue to pose strong growth. In fact, we think the internet stocks are going to deliver probably 5 to 10% growth uh, going forward. Um, rather, uh, we think the environment stocks, uh, i.e. the renewables and electric vehicles, would be the new growth stocks uh, in China, among many others. And that's why we would recommend clients to buy on this uh, for both renewables and electric vehicles. Uh, finally, we also think it's a good idea to keep some dividend stocks uh, to buffer the portfolio against any unexpected volatility. Uh, with that, back to you, Roman. Thank you very much, Richard. With that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. 
We do hope that you'll join us again soon. I wish you all a good day ahead. Bye for now. You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation, or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives, or other products, or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.